there. Welcome to the Shrewsbury Bispit Shrew Blast. Start again now. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Let's just keep going with that one, shall we? I oh, know. You're a wicked man. You're a wicked man. And start again. Welcome to the Shrewsbury Bispit Podcast with myself, Al. It's going to be a good one. This is and my co-host, Jules. <laughs> um, no. Um, yeah, welcome, guys. Already, you two. <laughs> so today on the show, we've got uh, Caroline Lewis from Help at Hand Dog Behaviour and Training. Welcome to the show, Caroline. Hi, both. How are you? Good. Very good. Thank you. <laughs> and After that well. successful start. <laughs> That was so brilliant. Before we hit record, guys, I, uh, Jules was like, uh, oh, see, I'll do it like this, this, this. And I was like, yes, hit record. And she went, <laughs> and I, I do, I do, I do believe you just um, introduced yourself as Alex and me as your co-host, Jules. I'm pretty sure. I you... did purposely. Nice. Nice. I like it. I like it. Thanks for joining us uh, today, Caroline. No problem at all. That's lovely. How are you both doing anyway in lockdown and with the floods? You all right? Yes, I, thankfully. <laughs> I'm unaffected. I'm 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 in Sutton mm. Grange. I'm away from that, but um, I, I there's a lot of people that are friends of mine that are close to us, especially with the show as well, that have been mm. affected, and it's it's very sad to see. Um, yeah. I mean, is, is it is it is it weird to say that we sort of ex- we're going to have to expect this every year now? We just have to put the buildings all on stilts. I guess I don't know what what we're going to do. Get better flood defences. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I should think. Mind do- you though. I've already seen this morning um, House Coffee. They've put a post they're open already. <laughs> they must have done an amazing job overnight on a on a mop up, I suppose. But yeah, they're open today. Bless them. Yeah, and the butchers that are right on the corner opposite the school by the school. And the deli. Yep. So. Wow. Getting on with it. Look at that. God bless them. Colum showing yeah. everybody how it's done. How it's done. Um, exactly. Yeah. Keep going. Um, so, Caroline, um, you you work with with dogs. Is it just dogs, or is it all animals? Um, all dogs. animals. Yeah, just dogs. Just dogs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and what is it? What is your speciality then? What is it that you do with dogs? Okay, uh, I mean, as a behaviourist, you are trained to work with all types of behaviour and dogs of all ages. So it can be puppies right through to the older dogs displaying different types of behaviour, sometimes through cognitive dysfunctions. But I suppose my special areas are rescue and deaf, deaf dogs as well. And I kind of fell into deaf dogs. For for me, I hadn't really thought that there was a a perception that deaf dogs were a problem because it certainly had never really cropped up for me. But when I was working with uh, certainly within rescue centres and I was seeing how many deaf dogs were there, but also how long they were there for, I was just like, oh, hang on a minute. And there's something not quite right here. Uh, and some of them would be there. The most amazing temperaments with dogs and people and just really lovely laid back dogs. And they could be there for 18 months plus in rescue because people were worried about the fact they couldn't hear. So I just set about almost like having fun and just going, OK, let's just see how we can get on and get training with them. And they're just amazing. Absolutely amazing. When you change how you work. How 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 do you work with a dog that you can't hail then? Do you know? Yeah, because we're very conditioned into thinking we need to work with dogs with our voice, aren't we? I mean, that's how we've been taught right back to the back in the day when we had good old Barbara Woodhouse on the telly in a tweed. 
telling all the dogs <laughs> to sit and stay. And we always had to be very rigid. And we didn't give anything away. And the dog had to just like be focused all the time. And of course, that isn't going to work with a deaf dog. And actually, well, as Jules knows, the way that I work with dogs is actually very much about body language. And when you realise that a deaf dog is constantly watching you, how you move and how you interact, and that is how you work with it. Honestly, it's that simple. It's that simple. It's just, you know, if I want a, a deaf dog to stop, I'm, I'm literally just doing that. If I want a deaf dog to come to me, then I'm just going backwards like this. But I'm making it fun. You know, I'm making it fun. We can be very serious in the way we're meant to be. But as soon as we start to smile, if we're trying to train, it's just like getting the dog to come back to you. Your whole body language changes and becomes more welcoming. So a deaf dog who has gone into rescue will most definitely have been misunderstood and will have a negative thought process about people generally. Um, so it's important that we are like, yeah, come on, let's have fun. Let's have fun. You know, and there's breeds right across the spectrum that have that I've worked with that are deaf. Rottweilers to English setters to staffies to all sorts. Yeah, they're great. They're great. They're One of the things that's probably going through people's minds is, particularly with rescue dogs as well, well, I suppose even with puppies, but how do you establish or how does the rescue know in the first place that the dog that's arrived is deaf? How is that even established? The dogs, sometimes the dogs that are going into rescue, so think they're going in younger, thinking of a rotty. Okay, so he came in through a vet because uh, he'd gone into the vets to be put to sleep because the owner was just really frustrated because he considered the dog to be stupid. And that's a really common red flag for me when they consider dogs to be stupid. It won't listen. It won't do anything I say. Now, okay, if a dog is very wound up and very stressed, they aren't necessarily going to be able to do it because of the stress hormones impacting their ability to focus and concentrate. So I do divide it into two. But once I realise that the dog is quite calm and it's still not able to do it, they can either be um, they can either go through something called the Bayer test which is your brain stem auditory evoke response test. That's catchy, isn't it? Um, Which they tend to do to puppies around four to eight weeks old. So that's where that's your only recognized test for a deaf dog. This is carried out by vets. Carried out by vets or, yeah, yeah, it is generally, or there are some breeders I think that will do it. But generally it's a bit of kit where you have three needles, this isn't going to sound very good. I don't like it anyway. Uh, they insert one along the top of the skull, one down, needle down either side here, and they clip electrodes on with wires, which then goes into another bit of kit. Uh, and basically they run a series of clicks through at different sound levels. So that's, and then they're able to see from the printout or the readout whether there's any response from either ear. So mm. if there's a flat line, then they know that that particular ear has has no hearing at all. And then if there's anything that goes up and down, then they'll know that, OK, in this in this instance, the dog is unilaterally deaf. So it's deaf in one ear, but not the other or bilaterally mm. deaf where it's totally deaf. I mean, I've got a deaf dog, as you know, Jules, so he's, yeah. he's totally deaf. Mm. And that's congenital deafness where they are born, born, but basically without hearing. Mm. So, yeah. But if you... 
But then if their rescue isn't sure about whether a dog is deaf or not, uh, and that's kind of where I started to work with so many, then basically I can be called in and I'll work with them individually. And it could just be something, once I've got their stress levels down, then basically I'll just do some really common things that I would expect a dog to be able to hear and respond to. It might just be a slap on my leg or uh, like a sound where dogs would normally be like, oh, what's that? Because I might get a treat. And deaf dogs are just like, la, la, la. And some people think if you go behind them and clap really loud, then that will be a, that will be a check for them. Or if you bang your foot on the floor. But what people forget is the only thing in their body that isn't working is their hearing. So if you bang your foot hard on the floor, they will pick up on the vibration through their feet. Yeah. And they can also pick up vibrations through the air, through the hairs on their body. Their whiskers are more tuned into sound. I mean, for me, they become like some kind of super dog, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they're good. That really angered me, by the way, when you said somebody gone to euthanize a dog because it's stupid. Ah. Oh, that's, it's really common. Uh, I'd like to say that's very rare that I come across that, but it's really common. I, I am not a dog person. I'm not a pet person, really. I don't know. Yeah, it's just I don't know. I used to be, but not so much anymore. Okay, but that still angers me. Oh my god, that angers me. Sorry, yeah. I was just to display that. It's sad. It's sad. It's re- it is really sad, and it kind of shows the misunderstandings that there are out there. Uh, and I think that's why I decided to set up this course, um, just to see if I could help people understand that actually a deaf dog is not to be frightened of, and some of the yeah. rubbish that's put out there by some quite high up organizations because they don't breeders don't want to admit that their line has deaf dogs in it Mm. absolutely not which is why a lot either go into rescue centers or are actually put to sleep at at just weeks old because they don't want them to go out there they they, honestly they don't they don't want them out there monstrous that's monstrous That's why I do the course, because I want people to go. It's not that I'm saying everyone should have a deaf dog, because it's not about that. It's like everyone is drawn to a dog for the right reasons. But it's like, don't be put off because a dog is deaf. Yeah. Like As long as you use, you can use ethical, compassionate, you know, force-free training with a deaf dog uh, and get it, brilliant results. Absolutely. Are there, are there like, like tools that you can use to, to, to make things easier? Is like, I don't know, something that vibrates on the collar or something. I don't know. Is there anything that you can use to help? I mean, there are some that would go down that road. But what you've got to remember is that if their hearing isn't working, but the rest of the body has become super, super sensitive. Mm-hmm. So it's like, for me, it's all right. I wouldn't necessarily let a deaf dog off in, say, the quarry in town um unless i knew i'd got some good uh attention from it but i would certainly have it out on a long line and then just literally it's literally as you can just move your shoulder and the dog's going oh what are you doing and then you can just put your hand out and then it comes along with you and then you can do recall i mean i certainly have done recall off lead training with deaf dogs in a secure field and it's amazing because once you've got their once you've got them sort of calm enough so that they are able to really think and listen with their whole body, um, yeah, then ultimately you can do anything you want. Mm-hmm. And it is and recall as well, because I've had one at the other end of the field and I've just gone, 
like this and started to go backwards but I've done this movement and the dog was looking the other way and because they feel the air move on their hair just mm. not forget wow. uh he just went oh you want me to come back and came hooligan down <laughs> that was that field at uh, Moreland's condo you know the size of that yeah yeah that's a big field yeah and because I make it fun and it's just like, oh, my God, you're amazing for coming back. They're like, God, I am. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, you're, you're a lady that definitely knows what, what you're talking about. Um, may, may I ask sort of like how long you've been doing this for? So like in this behavior? Uh, I was first trained in 2012. So oh, yeah, okay. 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I mean, I loved it. That was uh, a lady called Sheila Harper up in Canuck um and then I just felt I wanted to go into more detail always been someone who I I say I embrace a challenge but I always think there's a way of doing something I didn't like to see dogs in rescue that were just condemned because Mm. they were very very stressy or hyperactive or too reactive and I'm just like but there's a reason why what's the root Mm. cause we're looking at it the wrong way. So then I went on to do another course up at Durham uh, with a lady called Turid Rugas, who's from Norway. Um, and oh, she's yeah. quite famous, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, she is. Was really lucky. She's only ever taught in the UK once, and she teaches worldwide. Um, yeah, so yeah, been really lucky. Um, yeah, and she's just superb because she's dealt with taught, you know dogs that have been from fighting gangs and that sort of thing. And that's the kind of thing I want to work with, or not necessarily target that that sector but I want to know that if I am presented with a dog like that or has been used for bait or is deaf or has become reactive or for whatever reason I want to know that I can understand it Mm. and I'm always doing more work more more courses on that kind of thing Mm. understand it then you can help people because yes I'm here to help the dog but I'm here to help the owners because sometimes they have no hope or they feel there is no hope. And it's just like, do you know, but there is. Yeah. You find a different way. Mm. Yeah. Um, what have you I got to say? You <laughs> press the talk button. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. I love this. Um, when, it, when it comes to misunderstood breeds, is that an issue? Um, yeah. Yeah, with, with staffies yeah. and the, the, the pit bulls and the things you hear. Even things as, uh, like Dobermans and Alsatians because they're scary-looking dogs, but they're not. They're you know, they're beautiful dogs. Uh, they're like anything. Any dog can go wrong if it's misunderstood and it's actually not listened to. Okay, some breeds may go there a little bit faster because they are bred generally for hunting or guarding or working and that sort of thing. And there's definitely a big push at the moment to your fluffy, more domesticated breeds. Cavachons. Yappers, I call them. Yap, yap. <laughs> there's a few of them around yeah <laughs> there is a few of them around and of course and that's where people are at they want something that they can cuddle and just take out for nice little walks and that sort of thing but even they can go wrong if the breeding isn't looked at or they're inbred you know they're not always that straightforward but also what people need to bear in mind is that when you've got a dog that is bred from to be more domestic and domesticated and want to be around us how are they going to feel when we're not there? Mm. There's more separation anxiety and general anxiety in those dogs than there are in your, say, your more traditional, your working breeds. 
and yeah, share. Yeah, like your collies and that sort of stuff, I guess. Collies, yeah. yeah, and your German Shepherds and uh, Rotties. And all right, they can have their own things go on. There's, you know, indiscriminate breeding and that sort of thing yeah. can have an impact on their, their own behaviour. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. It's inter- it really is interesting when you start talking about different breeds and behaviours and things like that. But then there's there's also the the speculation between people. You know, there's always the put the you know jab people with a stick if they got a a, a particular breed that that people disagree with or something. I, I, mm-hmm. I mean, I've had an in- I have had an incident um, myself when I worked for a rescue that's no longer around. It was by Condover, and they had a lot of uh, Rottweilers in, and people do get worried because they're big. You know, they're big dogs and you can't read their faces. So all you're looking at is this giant black dog that's at least 40 kilos wandering around. And I, part of my role was to take these dogs out when they were up to it, when I knew that they were okay, and take them out into public. And I remember going somewhere with one dog who was just a dream. I have to say, he was just a joy to take out. And I took him around one of the retail parks, was the one at Meal Brace. And we were wandering along and I could see this guy coming towards us. And I thought, oh, we didn't move out of the way in a minute, surely. But now he came right at me, basically, to provoke a response in the dog. Because the dog kind of looked at me and it was literally like, do you need me to do anything? And I was like, no, it's fine. I'll just do, do a hand signal. And he went, all right, I'm going to carry on looking in TK Maxx's window. And this guy came up to me and, God, he gave me some abuse. Came really? Yeah, yeah, for walking that breed. Nogi likes those effing breeds right here. Oh, and I just thought, oh, my goodness. And I, and it shocked me. I knew it went on. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, this dog I mean, this dog did not put a foot wrong. And I just looked at this guy and was just like, oh, right, okay. And I thought, actually, you're the one who's in the wrong here. But I thought, it's a good job I hadn't brought maybe one of some of the others out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, but, well, um, yeah. Yeah. What, what are some of the um, current sort of behaviour issues you've sort of perhaps seen in the last year or so with, you know, with more people being at home with their pets or people then suddenly having to go back to work and not being at home? Mm. Um, you know, it, it, well, I say, what are you seeing? Are you seeing anything? Mm. There's a massive increase in reactivity, actually. Right. Those tolerances are... Uh, lower because their stress levels are higher because we're around home more we're more stressed particularly yeah. if we've got loved ones who've caught it uh, or we're worried about our jobs and paying the bills we're walking our dogs more than we were because we want to keep fit and get out um, if the children are around then the children are being noisier obviously and they're maybe not doing the homeschooling that they should be and what we forget is the dog needs a lot of sleep dogs generally when we're out will just go happy days (laughs) and sleep for hours they'll just take themselves off and they'll sleep for hours um you know and they might wake up or they might go out for a wee if when we get home at lunchtime and then we give them a chew and then off they go again and that's how the balance has been because it's like yes we may walk them but they've had that necessary downtime but yeah. if you remove that downtime, basically the dog's ability to cope can only go on for so long. Like us, we yeah. can only keep going at a certain threshold of stress for a long, certain period of time before actually it just all goes a bit pear-shaped. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, people then go, oh, no, my dog's reactive. I mean, I had three calls just last night. Honestly, three calls last night and three uh, messages on Facebook alone. 
last night for exactly the same thing. Mm. So we've got to the end of the week. And of course, it's COVID's not going anywhere soon and people are getting disappointed and dogs are picking up on our stress and then we're wanting more from the dog. And it's like, right, okay, I'll feel better if I go out for a good walk. You need to go out for a walk, but leave your dog doing a treat search or chew in the garden. It's just yeah. back at home and just go out and get the steam and the stress out yourself and then go back and just chill out with your dog. Um, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of things on Facebook. Like I have genuinely seen these, especially in like uh, neighborhood groups. I've seen a few in Telford, a couple in Shrewsbury of, of um, people that do encourage their dogs to be aggressive, attacking other people's dogs while they're out on the walk. Um, there, there seems to be a rise in this. I don't know. Is it maybe it's because there are more people at home, like you say, so there are more people walking. People just become more vocal about it. There seems to be a lot of this difference in people. And then the comment sections on Facebook are kind of like, well, train your dog better than, or do this. Mm-hmm. And it's just, this is ongoing like battle of how people should train their dogs and how people shouldn't train the dogs. It's just a nightmare. It's really difficult. And I do get, I get worried by it actually, because not just those incidents that are, that are on the increase because they, we've got more dogs, but also we're not able to go out as far with our dogs as maybe we used to. So then there are more in a certain area. But of course, then people are aware of the signs that a dog can give off before it's it's feeling more and more threatened and there's nowhere else to go. Or they just think, well, it's all right, my dog's off lead, it's fine. But actually, if the dog on the lead isn't, it absolutely is not fine. Yeah. You know, and it's a, there's a real problem with that. But then I also get worried because... Um, <sighs> Because there, people will contact trainers uh, or talk amongst each other about what they can do and how they can support and what they need to be doing. But, you know, it's just an opinion on Facebook. Mm-hmm. It's not a qualified response. And actually, I've now stopped putting any comments out there unless I think, God, actually, that is really that's just that needs to stop because you're heading down the wrong way. Um, uh, yeah. is there is there a definitive off the lead rule book is there is there a few rules that people can follow about walking the dogs off the lead are they allowed to are there are there areas that it's better to like what, what would you say on that i think the general rule is if you see a dog on lead your dog goes on a lead mm. it's that it's honestly it is that black and white it's a respect thing uh, if the dog is off lead, it tends to be quite wound up generally, and maybe the dog on lead, it could be in pain. You don't know. You may have had an operation in need. So when a dog is in pain, it can be more reactive. Mm. It can be worried around other dogs because generally they can be. It can be worried about people coming towards them. It can be on, people have got to realise the lead is for support. That's that's what the lead is there for. Yes, okay, it controls, but it's ultimately there for support. So if you are walking your dog and there's a dog on lead, you put yours on lead. It's not it's not good enough to say my dog is fine around other dogs. That isn't the point. You're putting yeah. the other dog in a position that it can't get out of. Uh, with regards to generally being off lead, uh, the rules are that okay, somewhere like the quarry. Is okay, you know, uh, your woodland and your countryside, as long as you respect sheep and highway codes and all of that sort of thing. But if you are by a road uh, or near a road, your dog must go on a lead. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. law because it yeah. can, it, if it causes an accident, you can be sued up and down the hills for it. Yeah. Again, it's, not enough, it's not enough that your dog is lovely. It's just, you know, it, it, it 
you know, dogs can be very eyesight driven, particularly if they have been on the go a lot. Um, mm. And they're very adrenaline driven. So it's only going to be going nicely down the pavement. You think, God, I'm nearly home. And it sees something over there. And it's just like, ping. Yeah. Gone. That's the thing, isn't it? It's it's about the attention span. And, mm. and, it, and it is, you know... For me as a dog walker, when I'm walking clients' dogs, pretty much, obviously, most, all bar one or two, they're always on the lead because that's just part of my policy with those dogs. And the amount of people that, you know, obviously come towards me off lead and then it's like, it's all right, my dog's okay. Yep, but this one might not be. And so it would be, I would be very grateful if you could put the dog back on the lead, which some people, you know, obviously respect and do, and then others don't and just give you a bit of a grumble and wander off. But the thing about the, um, I suppose it's even that whole letting a dog off, um, you know, near or near woodlands and that sort of thing. I suppose, again, unless the, unless you can guarantee their recall, you have to be a bit careful with that, don't you? Because there's been a lot of dogs. And again, I think this was over the summer. A lot of people were, lose it well you still see it now don't you but they've lost a dog a dog's been lost because it's run off um and that's because you know you've let the dog off in an area where yep there goes a rabbit shooting by there goes a fox there goes a deer there goes a pheasant there goes your dog (laughs) and you know obviously chasing a pheasant is far more exciting than you bellowing across a field trying to get your dog back absolutely and i think the one thing i always say to people it's just like you can't train recall enough Uh and don't wait to train recall until you're outside when you're already kind of fighting a losing battle if you're just starting the training you start your recall training in the house Uh house to garden garden to house upstairs to downstairs you absolutely nail it then you go out the dogs on a longer line and then you can build up to then being off lead. But only it's not a disaster. You know, my dog, all right, my one is deaf, so he doesn't tend to go off lead, but they're on a long line. But oh. my other one doesn't go off the lead all the time. And that's not because of recall. It's just because sometimes we just do different walks. Yes. You know, they're not, they're not, no dog is hard done by, by keeping it on the lead. But yeah. also we've got to bear in mind we're also in a culture at the moment where so many dogs are being stolen. Oh. So it's, if you can't, guarantee your dog will come back when you call it and you can't keep it in sight at the moment i i, I would definitely be saying you should keep it on a lead really yeah. nobody, nobody wants that experience no nobody not at all that thing where your dog's gone for different reasons yeah nobody wants that and i think you were saying about with like dog you know the reactivity at the moment and there are some dogs that obviously you know are anxious or worried um yeah. And something I'm fully aware of, but I know a lot of people aren't aware of, is the yellow coat. You know, wearing a yellow coat. So, Al, obviously, you you know, you've you've you're not sure of that, are you? Have you not heard of that? So if, you, <laughs> if, you, if you saw a dog out walking with its owner and it was in a yellow coat or it had a yellow collar, yellow harness, or yellow lead, what would would that tell you anything? It's either it's a working dog or it's a dog in training. No. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. At least you've you put a thought process behind why yeah. that colour, rather than must be the owner's favourite colour. Yeah. <laughs> so you've put a thought process there. Yeah. Which is, go on, Caroline. <laughs> it's basically, it's basically means the dog's nervous. Do not approach. Oh. Give. Me, I need space ultimately. 
It's like, I need space. Yeah. And this is what we need to remember. It's just like we forget that a dog still needs to be a dog. And dogs naturally communicate by watching each other's body language. It's not just a deaf dog thing. All dogs will do it. So if we take that ability away, because as a species, we're very direct. So it's like we're talking to each other and I'll look you in the eye and I'm sat face on to the screen. That's a human thing. So if I saw someone in the street I wanted to meet, I would go up to them. I may slow down slightly, but I would still go up to them directly. Dogs generally will curve around each other. They will give each other more space. They will slow down. They will head dip. They will stop and sniff. They will just, you know, they just take their time. Some will go a bit faster, but generally, if the dogs have been through the training, that's how they would do it. So when we take away that ability and we walk faster and we make the dogs be on shorter leads and come on, you need to meet that dog. Come on, long little do you eat the power of good. Ultimately, we can create the problems that we don't actually want. Mm -hmm. Some dogs will put up with it. Not all. Yeah. 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 Not all. That's what I need to remember. They need support. Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah. years ago, we used to be like latchkey dogs, didn't they? They used to, yeah. you know, the dogs would be off lead nearly all the time and we didn't have any of the hassle that we do now. Not really. No, that, that's interesting because there's a lot of uh, – I've I've been coming across people, I'd probably say definitely of the older generation, um, that are like, why are dogs so much of a problem now? in my day they weren't they were never an issue you never had behaviorists or trainers or all of this so what in your view or your experience is what has changed we've taken away the choices and I don't mean the choice of oh I'll fancy going out to the day while my mum's gone to work we've we've become a lot more into conditioning and controlling You know, when the dominance theory kind of like reared its head in the 90s, which I think is where a lot of this started to go really wrong. It's like you need to be careful because when your dog's on the sofa, it's trying to take over your home. Uh, You know, and if it's jumping up, it's being really dominant. And oh, and it, it needs to be told when to eat. As soon as we started to go down that road of telling the dog everything it needed to do, we built more stress in the dog. And as soon as that happened they got more stressed and then they, their behavior has just got bigger and bigger and bigger about how to tell us, God, we're scared. Actually, we're really stressed. We're really scared. And we're just not understanding this. Mm, not this at all. Yeah. And that's where it is. I mean, the, I think it was Mech who told us about the dominance theory in the nineties. He just, he actually came out in 2009 and said, I got it wrong. He was big enough to say, do you know, I messed Good. up. Good. But everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people are still going down that road. Mm. And it's rearing its head again. You know, the people who had someone recently who um, has been told by, by a trainer that uh, you should, your dog is only fed if it's being good and you feed it one biscuit at a time. <laughs> I know. So it's like if your dog jumps up and it's excited to see you in the morning, you don't give it a biscuit. I know. And it's just like and it goes through the whole day like that. So it was no surprise to me that I was called to the fact that this dog was getting bitten. Uh, sorry, this dog was biting the owners. I mean, and really badly. And I said, it's, it's all the chemicals that are going on in the body as well. Plus the fact you're taking away a basic, basic thing in the dog. The dog needs to feel safe. And if it's not fed and it has to perform like a seal and God yeah. knows know what on earth it's doing to get food, 
then you are creating enormous amounts of stress and that's control that's control and that's why we're seeing more reactivity generally generally Mm. not always we're in lockdown which is weird so yeah so that's so it is it is fascinating because we are, I, I was meaning to ask you about sort of the different decades and the different generations of dog owners and things like that because you know somebody that's like in there you know getting on a bit now has got a dog would have treated their dog completely different like 40 years ago you know yeah. Yeah. um and yeah. how is that how is that for you as someone that has to come out and deal with that behavior because obviously you've just given us one example of how, how how that's bad is that is that across the board is that is this like it's half of your problems the owner rather than the dog yeah yeah generally that's- it is and i don't say that with criticism or judgment i mean it is yeah. because everyone everyone wants to do the right thing with their dog so on that they will look at all the groups and all the books and DVDs and all the programs. And they actually naturally think that because someone's on telly that then they're right, but actually Uh they're not qualified. And then you've got people who are running different things and they're maybe not as qualified as they lead you to believe. And it's an unregulated industry. And that's what people forget. I could, I mean, I spent in total three years training plus all the additional modules I've done maybe on aggression, et cetera. There are others that have just trained online. And yeah. done it. And, and that, that again, that upsets me, not because I think that's not fair because I've trained for so long. I just think that's not fair on the people who have booked you because you've taken on a behaviorist or trainer title. And then you yeah. stand there, like I had someone the other day contact me just saying, Oh, I wonder if you could help me with my dog. It's reactive with other dogs when we're out. Uh, but I just need to ask you, if something goes on when you come out with me with the dog, what will you do? And I said, well, what do you mean? What will I do? And I said, I'll, I'll, I'll be working with the dog and I'll go through everything. So you won't leave me with my dog? No. <laughs> and basically what happened to her is a trainer had gone out uh, and just uh, saw the dog kick off and just said, oh, actually, I don't know what to do with this and walked off and left her. <gasps> Never way. And that's the difference, you know, and some will cobble it together. Some are just like you just keep feeding the dog treats, but that doesn't always work. Well, it just no. doesn't, it doesn't work. It's You're not dealing with the root cause of the problem. Yeah. As I, say, I never, ever criticise or judge anybody because everyone loves their dog and is trying to do the right thing. And it's not their fault. It's not a regulated industry. Yeah. Uh, during lockdown, there's we've already discussed how, how it can affect a lot of dog owners and the way and the way the dogs are behaving do you have like a a couple of tips for people that are are noticing a difference in their animal right now and they're they're kind of bit like i don't know what to do is there anything any sort of tips you can give them during lockdown yeah i mean it's difficult because it does depend on the behavior but my my main thing is if you think your dog is beginning to get a bit mouthy or jumping up more or doesn't seem to settle uh, those for me are just signs the stress hormones are just increasing a bit more because mouthing it's not meaning it's aggressive it's just a it's a for me it's a help me kind of sign I don't know what to do I'm full of adrenaline ultimately mm. when you start to see things like that I either reduce the walks say if they were some have been going out three or four times a day I'm like right you take it down to once a day maybe for 30 minutes slow the pace of your walk down uh, but also be doing more things like chews, quality, good quality natural chews and treat searches and brain games, mental stimulation, because that will bring 
adrenaline and stress hormones right down. You know, chewing sounds like it's a, well, that's a nice thing to do. We all like to chew on something and to eat something. But it's actually the difference that it makes to the dog itself. When they chew, and this has been proven in people as well, when you chew for more than 10 minutes, you reduce your anxiety levels. This is humans tested as well as dogs. Your anxiety comes down, your stress levels come down, but your ability to focus and concentrate and cope goes up. So if you've got dogs that you think, my God, it's going completely bonkers and it's going a bit hyper, I'd be like, right, head to the shops or go online and then look for good quality chews. And it hasn't got to work for it. I don't make it sit for it. It's just like have have them and they need chews every day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so searches and that sort of stuff yeah and I think that's the thing like you say isn't it because people don't necessarily think they think like give them a treat it's they've got to have done something to have a treat first mm. when it's like actually no it's this way around and following on from obviously Alex talking about lockdown um because obviously being in the industry I know that there are some restrictions at the moment you know like puppy training classes aren't happening so lots of puppies aren't getting socialized properly at the moment um normal dog training classes aren't allowed to happen as such um I know that there are you know I know that outside one-to-one training can happen but that's about it but again if because you work with a lot of rescues and I know that you get requests and sort of clients from all over the UK and obviously you can't travel necessarily you know hundreds of miles to sort a dog out currently at the moment so how are you making how are you making this work for your business and for owners where you can't actually get face to face with them at the moment yeah I mean thank god we've got zoom and online (laughs) all right for the very for the people who are really worried because the dog has bitten particularly if there's children involved that comes under welfare and I can go and as a behaviorist I can actually go in the home I mean that's in writing now under the current uh, law so that's really good so that's yes so that's not a problem so I have a lot more flexibility than say your trainer who is literally one-to-one in a field and can't touch everything I am able to do more but certainly uh, I'm doing a lot more online Mm. A hell of a lot more online. So I'll do uh, one-to-one puppy sessions. Yeah. Put a course together. And uh, I've got people from like, I've had Berkshire, Wiltshire, Somerset I've got at the moment, Worcestershire, Mm. up north, up in Northumberland. So I've got them from all over, all breeds, all types, all kinds of stuff going on. First-time dog owners or some that have not had a puppy for like 30 years. So they just need a like a refresher yeah I've got that and then um yeah and then other courses like the deaf dog one I mean that's worldwide I mean if I said to you at the moment a I didn't realize that that was going to be quite such a big course the deaf dog course but I mean I've got people okay I've got UK I've got currently on this current one Taiwan (laughs) whoa yeah I know Holland and Germany and the UK wow and I like, like you say, platforms you- like India and America and Holland. Holland is just brilliant. They're always into um, understanding and learning about dogs. But yeah. I mean, just phenomenal. Yeah, phenomenal response. What, so actually, it? this is probably quite good. Sorry, Al, go on. Go on. No, 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 you, you're on topic. I'm going to change well, I was just going to say, that's actually probably very good for your business then, isn't it? Because that's something different that you wouldn't have the opportunity to do had the situations that are arising at the moment. Oh, wow, that is really... 
It is. I mean, last year I was going to be going to France to sort to work with uh, deaf dogs there to do teaching because they are very, very strict on how deaf dogs are handled, as are a lot of places. Well, and in this country, to be fair, if I was honest. Um, But of course, that went out of the window. So it's made me look at doing things online. Um, And then I'm looking at doing like webinars and seminars on different projects and different subjects. It's basically to help people. And people yeah. can always book to do like a one-to-one if they're just like, I've got a problem with this. Can you help me? And I, and I will do what I can. I absolutely yeah. will do what I can. You know, it's just because of travel restrictions. You know, I can't, I can't go everywhere like I did before. Yeah. yeah. Um, where, where can people get in touch with you, Caroline, to, to uh, you know, attach themselves to your service and stuff? Um, I suppose my main platform really is Facebook. Mm-hmm. So that's under help at hand dog behavior and training. Uh, or you've got, if you're interested in the deaf dog side, uh, my other group is deaf, not difficult. Um, so yes, yeah, so that's another dog training one. Um, but I'm, I'm always kind of on there. Or you've got email, um, caroline1706 at hotmail.co.uk. So, nice. Yeah, all so yeah, I mean, as Jules knows, I mean, I do work every day. It's because mm. I... I mean, I am incredibly busy, incredibly busy at the moment. But it's just about providing support. We get worried. We're, we've got more dogs than ever. Yeah. And I actually think we understand them less than we've ever done before. Because yeah. when you're trying to condition something and mould it all the time, you're not listening to the dog anymore. And then you end up looking at each other going, well, here we you. I'm not clear. Yeah. I don't know what you're yeah. doing. But yeah. Yeah. Why? Well, look, uh, this has been amazing speaking to you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm glad been... you to have an animal now, Alex. <laughs> 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 start with a fish. <laughs> we've, we've we've got fish. My, there's no pets allowed in our apartment, so I think that's the, the, the as far as we can push it. Um, <laughs> I mean, I grew up, I grew up with dogs and cats and stuff, but we can't in the apartment. But it's a shame. I do, I do like the idea of like, um, you know, I, I like the idea of the the wanderer that's got the like the you know the the the, the golden retriever or something. You know, the, the, walking along with them and traveling life through them. And I like yeah. those 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 dogs that sort of grow old with their their owners. I like yeah. the idea of that. You know, yeah. maybe one day, maybe one day. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, we are running out of time, but I have really, it's been, this has been really, really interesting. I've, I've learned so much. Uh, right. And I hope if, if any listeners are struggling with their dogs, uh, people can yeah. just get in touch with you, Caroline, yeah. for Facebook. Yeah. yeah. I always say, if I don't get in touch straight away, it's only because I'm with somebody or I'm online. Mm. That seems yeah. to be the new way forward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I do miss seeing people face to face, though, I have to say. I'm just yeah. like, oh. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen in 2021? I still believe this is going to be the year, by the way. 2021 is going to be the year. I still believe that. Oh. Optimistic. Yeah. Optimistic. Jules, have you got any questions before we, we go or any comments? Uh, no, I haven't. I mean, obviously, I, Caroline and I have worked together anyway, and Caroline's been helping me with uh, one of my dogs. So um, I've, I've learned a lot off of Caroline. Um, just personally as well as professionally for my business so um but i would strongly recommend if people are having issues at the moment to yeah definitely contact caroline so yeah. brilliant i brilliant. suppose my aim is to try to give hope where people feel that they've run out of hope and that the only thing they can do is put in rescue or put to sleep 
but it's also do that people don't do that don't put your dogs to sleep because you can't look after them god that's Mm. all (laughs) but to put to put the compassion back in we need to listen we need to listen to the dogs but also like all professionals we need to keep on listening to the owners it's Mm. not their fault Mm. yeah they follow the advice that's out there and a lot of the advice is very very out of date and wrong and on that point dangerous then Mm. yeah oh yeah Uh, no, it's definitely been a fascinating interview. Um, so thank you very much indeed for your time, Caroline. Oh, no trouble. And yeah. Al, thank you as well. Um, and like to do a shout out and a thank you to our sponsors, um, Web Orchard, um, um, who built our website, which is where you'll also be able to listen to this podcast uh, once it's been uh, posted out by us through our Facebook page and through Instagram. So um, yeah, get jump on the website to listen to this episode and uh, all of the others today on our open day. So yeah. peace out, guys. Thank you. All right. See you there. Bye. Bye. Bye.